The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. We are joined by Brian Devitt, who is a consultant orthopaedic surgeon, professor of orthopaedics and surgical biomechanics at DCU. And he works predominantly with knee and hip surgery in athletes as well as adolescents and elderly patients. And he joins us this morning to answer uh, any questions that you have on 53106 if you want to send them in. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Atom. <laughs> Um, now, buckets of, of questions already um, coming in. Uh, one saying, I'm in my late 60s and my, quotes sprained ankle of over six weeks was eventually diagnosed as a lateral mellalous fracture with torn ligaments. I was advised by the orthopaedic department to just continue normal activities, which surprised me. I'm attending a physio and I wear an ankle brace on longer walks. Any advice is my ankle is still very unstable and painful. Um, well, it'd be a lateral malleolus fracture, uh, I presume they're referring to. So um, that's a pretty common uh, injury we see uh, with uh, fractures around the ankle. Um, the key issue when you're doing an x-ray is to see if the fracture is actually displaced or not. But in many ca- cases, we don't need to do surgery on these fractures if they're undisplaced. And the key is just to stabilise the fracture, uh, allow it to heal and get the patient mobilising afterwards. So it is a, a long haul. It takes probably around three months following injury to get back to normal activity. So it's a case of being patient, I think. And what about the uh, ligament damage versus a break? Because whenever you hear uh, people injuring ankles, there's always this thing that says, oh, ligament's much worse than a break. Is that a myth? Um, I suppose it depends, really, that uh, a break, if you reduce it, will heal very well um, between bone to bone contact, whereas a, a, a sprain or a ligament disruption can take a bit longer to heal and does sometimes give rise to increased laxity or this subjective, um, subjective feeling of instability with the patient. But oftentimes we'd get breaks and sprains or torn ligaments in the same setting, so they can be a bit challenging. How much of the repair work that is done post uh, an acute injury along those lines is done by you and how much by physiotherapy? Do you find yourself looking and saying, I did a great job on that. I told you to go get physio. I told you to go work on it. You did nothing and now it's all ruined. Yeah, well, I think it's a real team effort, uh, to be honest with you. And I think that's where people oftentimes think they've done the surgery and the game is over then. But it really involves a lot of rehabilitation. So we work very closely with physiotherapists and also empowering the patient to be proactive in their own rehabilitation. Because it's one thing fixing a fracture, but it's moving afterwards is going to get you back to full function. Do you always achieve full function? Are there some injuries where you say, well... While the injury itself will repair, there will be permanent weakness or there will be permanent soreness. Oh, oftentimes, uh, well, not oftentimes, but, you know, in a, in a large number of times, we don't get back to full function because the injury that occurred was too was too bad. And I think that, you know, you can only put things back together as best you can, but sometimes you have damage to the articular surface, uh, which can give rise to post-traumatic arthritis later on down the line. So some injuries can be very severe. And when we're talking general um, decrease in, in mobility and function rather than specific injury, of all of the joints, which are the most challenging? Is it knees? Is it hips? Um, they all offer their individual challenges as well. I suppose um, with knees, um, it's very hard to immobilise a knee. When you have an injury to a knee, for instance, or a fracture, you have to keep that joint, or a lot of times you keep that joint still. And joints don't take a joke. They want to move. So with, with most joints, you have to keep them moving. And it's a real um, balance act between getting movement, but also allowing injuries to heal themselves. So each joints have their problems in terms of issues. From my perspective, 
a hip is easier to manage with regard to replacement than a knee. Patients tend to do a lot better following hip replacements than following knee replacements because there's a lot more pain in relation to knee replacements. But in fractures and different trauma, each joint has their, uh, you know, the the easy uh, operations that you get over and other ones have more difficult uh, recovery from. And to what extent is a replacement of a joint a permanent thing? Or if you have a hip replacement in your 50s, early 60s, are you looking down the track at likely having another? Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, nowadays most prostheses we use um, do have you know a good longevity. So we're we're improved the machining of the implants and the technology to put them in. So they typically last in or around fifteen to twenty years. Um, but you know they can be be difficult to revise later on down the line. Um, so really, it it depends on on what stage the person uh, de- developed arthritis for having a replacement. Text saying, Anton, I hurt my shoulder playing rugby 17 years ago. I'm sure I had a partial dislocation in a tackle ever since. It has been slightly bothering me. Sometimes just lifting something light, I get a dart of pain in the shoulder. Recently, it got a lot worse. It now feels very loose, which it never did before. Yeah, so it sounds like the person probably did have a shoulder dislocation, or at least what they refer to as a partial dislocation um, back uh, when they were playing rugby. Um, so you can often have, um, they can just loosen with time if they had a subsequent injury and um, the shoulder can become unstable. So that's something that I would certainly suggest that patients seek a specialist opinion with the shoulder surgeon. To get if from. you have a loosened shoulder, is is there anything that can be done? Because it, it's not a, is it a ball and socket joint, the shoulder? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't stabilize shoulders. So certainly for a young person who has a shoulder dislocation, there are surgical procedures. Now we do them mostly arthroscopically. Um, and that um, means we fix the, the part of the soft tissue at the front of the shoulder, typically that uh, when that's injured, it gives rise to a sense of instability and we can fix that back in place. Uh, text asking, I have a click stroke snap in my left knee, which I can hear distinctly as I walk. I don't have any pain from it. Is it a problem? Well, most people are going to have clicky or snappy joints. Um, if it's not causing much pain, I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. If it does start to become painful, that's something I would certainly suggest they seek opinion with. Um, but we but the non-painful snappy joint is a lovely thing. When you get a hip to go pop, oh, it's a great thing. Yeah, it does. A lot of people say it does provide a lot of uh, relief and if there's increased muscle tension there afterwards, it feels good. You're not agreeing with this, though, with the fancy doctor hat on, though. No, no, I think I wouldn't go uh, snapping joints because sometimes you snap and you can't get them back in and that's a bad day. Text asking, have you any tips for frozen shoulder? I'm a female in my mid-50s. The last six weeks I've had pain in the shoulder socket that radiates down towards my elbow and I can't raise it without pain. Yes, yeah, so frozen shoulder is a, is a very common condition. We see it in uh, patients who have diabetes more often than not. Uh, also people who have had any type of immobilization where they can't move their shoulder can become very stiff. Uh, most times it's a self-limiting condition. It does improve with time. Um, there are surgical procedures you can do to release the shoulder if it is not settling with time, but it does involve some uh, physiotherapy and specialist opinion if it's not settling, certainly. Uh, Anton, I have lower back and hip 
hip trouble, I was wondering what type of mattress the orthopaedic consultant would recommend. Do you get into mattress recommendations, uh, Brian? I, it's, it's outside my wheelhouse of specialty, to be honest with you. But I think, you know, uh, nowadays there are so many different mattresses out there. I think the key with any back problem and um, hip related problem is staying mobile, is staying active. And nowadays we're recommending the likes of Pilates very often for that. So I think it's a combination of um, sleep, but also exercise, I say, is probably more important. Well, it's funny as you say that literary text just drives saying, hi, I do a lot of reformer Pilates. Is this good for your knees and hips? It's brilliant for everything, to be honest with you. I think uh, certainly for your lower back, it's it's fantastic. Uh, it works in your core muscles. We're very conscious that all the muscles around your core and your hip and your pelvis uh, are really important to maintaining your mobility. Um, so I would certainly recommend Pilates. The thing of joint movement, is that the case even if the joint has become painful? So let's say you have early stages of arthritis or you have a joint that has wear and tear and that causes you pain. Are you better to push through that and keep the joint moving or should you rest it? No, you should certainly keep a joint moving. I think then we have to be a little bit cautious. So if you deal with arthritis of the knee, for instance, that you definitely need to keep that joint moving. But if you have severe wear and tear, walking can cause increased pain. So we typically recommend low load exercise, which involves the likes of swimming, Pilates um, or some cross training in the gym um, to avoid putting a lot of load through the joint. But movement is key. Text saying, I'm having keyhole surgery on Wednesday on a torn cartilage in my knee so that it can support a knee replacement on my other knee in October. What mobility can I expect after that? I cannot walk too far now. I realise it's probably a bit much to ask you to diagnose a person's <laughs> mobility from one text, but give us a general insight. Yeah, well, I think if you look at a knee arthroscopy, is, is a very common procedure we do. And essentially, it's a day case surgery. So you're in and out in the same day. Typically, people are walking afterwards um, with a crutch assistance for maybe a few days. Uh, it very much depends on what is being addressed at the time of surgery for this patient, but I suspect it's probably going to be a meniscal tear. Tear. And typically people meniscal tears, it's a relatively uh, innocuous enough procedure that we do. It depends on what's lying underneath, though. If there is articular cartilage injury, that can be a bit more of a, a longer rehabilitation. How eager or reluctant are you to whip out the scalpel? Because I had reason to uh, meet a, 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 an orthopaedic surgeon a while ago, fully in the expectation that once you get past hello, we're heading for general anaesthetic. And he said that he uh, generally tries desperately to avoid operating if he can find any other route. Would that be your Yeah, approach? absolutely. I, I tell people very clearly, I said, your, your objective to, is to avoid people like me as long as you can. Because, you know, with the likes of surgery, taking away a meniscus, etc., we would very much like to exhaust non-operative measures first because a lot of time nature will, will heal that patient and there's a great phrase by Voltaire he said medicine is the art of distracting the patient while nature heals you so uh, for me that's very much my motto is to try to avoid surgery and then when you do it you do it you want to pick the winners you want to do surgery that's going to improve patients so I think that's really important that again, it was medicine distracts you while... No, medicine is the art of distracting patients while nature heals you. Tech saying, my dad has chronic hip pain. He's on a long waiting list. What, if anything, can be done for the pain in the meantime? 
Yeah, so you look at the type of medication we use for hip arthritis. So you always start off, they talk about a pyramid approach, that you start off with very kind of low-dose medication. The likes of paracetamol is extremely good. Also, exercise is very good to keep moving. That reduces pain. If it gets uh, more severe, then we'd move on to the likes of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication based on the fact that if patient doesn't have a contraindication to these. And then you move up the the line in terms of more narcotic-based medication. But we like to avoid them, particularly as people get more elderly because they have some side effects that are not And presumably long-term narcotic medication isn't a good thing at any age. No, absolutely it's not. And then you look at the cause and you realise with chronic hip pain it may be arthritis and then a hip replacement is probably the best operation we do in orthopaedics. So if the patient has an indication for that, then that might be the real um, treatment. Brian, it has been a revelation. Thank you very much. That is Brian Devitt, who is consultant orthopaedic uh, surgeon, and he's also professor of orthopaedics and surgical biomechanics at Dublin City University. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.